The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Good afternoon. This is Raz Ingrassi. I'm with the Hoffman Institute, Ed McLoon. Uh, Hoffman teacher is here with me, and uh, if you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program, helping thousands of people, people who are serious about change, and we have 16 sites across 11 countries, helped some 85,000 people worldwide. The Hoffman process is a truly amazing eight-day retreat of personal development and discovery, and as I said, my co-host is Hoffman teacher Ed McLoon. Hey, Ed? good afternoon, Raz. Nice to be here with you. I'm a Hoffman Process teacher and a family therapist here in Northern California. And our purpose here at the Hoffman Connection is to actually connect you with people who are living a life they love so that you can do the same. And we're hoping that uh, you participate in our show as we uh, get into it a little bit more. We'll talk about how to do that. Just send it uh, right back over to you, Raz. Take it away. Okay. Well, today we're speaking with Jim Warner, interviewing Jim Warner, an entrepreneur, author, transitions expert, and coach to many thousands of executives. Jim's personal transformation work with individuals, couples, family units includes whole life assessments, life planning retreats coaching, speaking, he has life enhancement programs, and everything he does is committed to helping clients find a deeper sense of life meaning, to forge and sustain authentic relationships, to live out their innate essence. And uh, I know a lot of people who have received support and coaching from Jim, and they are all very proud of having had a relationship with him and and we are pleased to bring Jim to this program. Welcome, Jim. Hello, Raz and Ed. Uh, delighted to be with you. Well, Jim, um, I'd just like to ask you to tell us a little bit more about your background, what brought you to the current work of guiding senior executives and their teams. It all started in my late 20s when I quit my job as a programmer and started a technology company. We had an infant daughter at that time. My wife had quit her teaching career, and I kind of put all the chips on the table and said, let's give this a run. Uh, We were in the right place at the right time and started a tech software company, actually in computer graphics back in the stone age of computer graphics, the early 80s. And so I worked as a business guy for about 13 years, grew the company. We had international locations, and at the ripe old age of 42, I ended up selling the company. 
Uh, most people think you sell it and you want it right off into the sunset with the adoring throngs in the background. Well, we'd gone through a series of layoffs prior to the sale, and I'd gone through my own periods of de- clinical depression. And so I kind of handed the keys to the buyers and said, I need to check out for a bit. I took a three-year sabbatical where I got very clear on my own sense of giftedness and where I wanted to focus the next years of my life. And I like to say I went to the dark side from being a, a corporate executive guy into being a consultant back to business people. And my focus at that time was to help them be, become more, uh, get the, their sense of identity, a sense of meaning in their lives, uh, and truly a sense of focus for the second half. And so I've been doing that now for about, oh, geez, almost 20 years now. That's wonderful. I, I first met you, Jim, uh, around the time that you were completing your book, Facing Pain, Embracing Love. And uh, I was amazed by that book. And I came to see that you had a deep understanding of what it, what it meant to be an executive. And uh, I'd like to tell us, tell our audience here a little bit more about, you know, we all have perceptions and ideas about what it, what it is to be an executive. But you coach you coach these people. What is it really like? What what's their life like? Not only coached them, I actually lived in those shoes for a decade. Uh, it's very lonely in the position of the executive. Uh, the classic lonely at the top. You have to be on in front of all your constituencies, whether it's employees, uh, clients, investors, the press. Everything everyone's expecting you to have all the right answers at the right time. Often. High-level high executives have real hard times with life balance. How much do they focus on growing their enterprise, which can just totally suck them dry time-wise, versus growing families who want daddy home for dinner? So the pressures in the home environment, the pressures in the work environment, no place to turn. Most of these executives have to stuff a lot of the emotional duress that they're facing and put out a shiny face to the rest of the world. And the side effects of that are what I see in my work. So I help them really take stock of what is your life really about, uh, where do you have a sense of meaning, what's your identity. And many of the people I deal with, you certainly don't see it when you in, in press interviews, as I say, are lost. They have a relatively low sense of self-worth. They've sold their souls to the scoreboards that run our world, uh, and they're grasping for this sense of identity and meaning. Hmm. And these are the people that, you know, the press and everywhere else sees as uh, very powerful and in control and running things. And actually, their their lives are controlled by anxiety and confusion, cynicism, and uh, measuring the, themselves in terms of what they produced and uh, the bottom line all the time. So it's a it's a, doesn't sound like as much fun as as a lot of people make it out to be. You know, it often starts out in a sense of altruism. I know this was in my own business. Uh, for many years, I didn't even really care what I got paid. I was just having so much fun growing the business, interacting with the people. It was I was just on a, a fun ride. Then when things started to go south, I became more concerned with, well, how much money are we making here? Do I have security for myself? Do I have a sense of independence? Who's approving me? You know, I got caught up in the maelstrom of scoreboards. Uh, and so the altruism began to turn into desires and expectations that could never be fulfilled. And so this just became this perpetual, this ongoing treadmill. I was actually fortunate, I think, Raz, that I, my, my worst case, uh, problems were clinical depression. Many of the folks I run into are navigating either very difficult health crises, 
divorces, bankruptcies. They have some type of a train wreck is what really brings them to me. In my case, I was lucky. It was just what I call a derailment. And it was a tremendous learning experience to get back on my own sense of groundedness and then be able to serve some of these other execs, men and women, who are really struggling. Well, Jim, I know that you have, you, uh, I mean, I've talked with you enough to, to know how much you are always working on yourself. And not only are you helping others, but you are always, you know, got the mirror up to yourself and, and looking at your own soul and your own, uh, uh, actions and self-examining and, and in, you know, such things as men's groups and the Mankind Project and so on, as well as Hoffman. And you've, um, you do your own work. And I think that's a, that's a huge step forward. If I know that if, uh, I wanted to work with you, I would be glad to know that you're a guy who's done his own work. Um, now, switching topics a little bit, your, your latest book is The Drama Free Office, written with your daughter, Kaylee Klemp. What prompted you to write that book? Uh, Kaylee and I had been working with executives for about 10 years, and, and we just the patterns were becoming more and more clear of dysfunction in the office setting. Um, and so as the patterns became more clear, we were able to distill them down to four primary drama types that create the dysfunction, ineffectiveness, unproductivity in the office setting. We said we want to codify that, write about how do you identify these different drama states, both in yourself and in your coworkers, and then how do you manage the people around you when they're caught up in drama? Fantastic. Well, I I went online, and by the way, anyone listening to the show can go online. It's just uh, dramafreeoffice.com, dramafreeoffice.com, and there's a an online assessment to uh, – so you can assess, do you fall into drama and what kinds of drama do you tend to fall into? Complainer, cynic, controller, and, or caretaker, and the degree of each one of those. Uh, but what are, uh, let's see what I want to ask you. Um, how do you, how does a person know what type of drama they're dealing with? Well, as you mentioned, the assessment's the best way to go in and, and check it out. Uh, I'll give you some examples. You mentioned the four different types. Uh, the complainer symptoms of any time you find yourself blaming or complaining about things, you're a whiner or a crybaby. If you find yourself gossiping about others in the office or fall into victimhood where you're saying it's not my fault, you're likely a yep. complainer. Okay. Cynics are the people who have to always be the know-it-all. You're smarter than everybody else in the office. I call them the Eeyore in the office. They're always the ones who say, well, this is never going to work. They, they take the air out of the room. They can often yep. make hurtful comments to people, and they need the spotlight. Controller, as the name implies, is somebody says, look, I just got to call the shots here. I'm in charge. You're not. Um, they make weak agreements. They, they're always the maverick in the office, often have a tendency to micromanage or be the perfectionist. Those are common controller tendencies. And actually, Raz, the most common one is the nice guy, the one who wants to please everybody in the office. They're often very nice. They have a need to be liked. They often rescue. And the most common symptom is they overcommit and underdeliver. So they're perpetually behind and you can't count on them. Well, I can certainly identify with uh, any one of those things. And so what happens if I'm part of the problem? How do I get out of my own drama? Well, the first thing is to recognize it. Stop, breathe. And this is where the Hoffman process is so good to take stock just pause for a moment and notice what is going on. 
take responsibility for how have I really created this in my own life. One of the analogies we use is that all drama is like playing on a stage, and the first thing if you're in drama is get off the stage. You can't, you can't <laughs> fix others if you're in it. Right. Okay. Brilliant. And, and then, uh, you know, get clear on what you really want. Okay. And oftentimes it's not you want other people to change. What do you really want for yourself? And I think the most, the most important thing for getting out of drama, and Hoffman teaches this brilliantly, is to take full responsibility for your life. No one's doing it to you. It's not coworkers. It's not your spouse. It's not your parents. Okay? I take full responsibility for what's happening in my life, and I let go of victimhood. It sounds like the drama is a... Jim, would you say the drama is a kind of substitute for knowing and living your own passion? That's a really good way to phrase it, Raz. Uh, if I don't know what I want for myself, I'll let my desires leak out on others. People who have a strong sense of identity, they know who they are, they know what their life is for, a sense of meaning and purpose, they don't need to fall into dramatic behaviors. They can live authentically. They're living looking through the windshield versus looking in the rearview mirror of their life. So it's one of the things I try to instill in my life, in my work, is really getting people clear on your identity, clear on your sense of purpose, and again, what Hoffman does extraordinarily well, letting go of the past. That was then, this is now. Wonderful. So, uh, Jim, thanks ahead, so much. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to have to just uh, break away here for a quick break. Um, if you'd like to participate in the show and ask Jim are, any questions that come to mind about the drama-free office or anything else, please jump in to participate. You can uh, call us at 800 506 Excuse me, that's the Hoffman number. Um, let's get the... The call-in number, well, well, we'll bring that to you at the next promo. It's 866-472-5788. The call-in number to participate in the show is 866-472-5788. We'll be right back with the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. 
To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to the Hoffman Connection. I'm Ed McClune with Raz and Grossi and our guest Jim Warner. And just before we get uh, back to Jim, I want to remind you that after our show, uh, when we're live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock, you can find out more about our offering, the Hoffman Process, with a free confidential uh, introduction call. And you can learn more about that and our other offerings at hoffmaninstitute.org, including in there is a $125 off our, our courses promotion that's uh, still going on through um, the 16th. So, Jim, you're talking about drama-free office, and certainly drama is uh, more than just in our offices. Um, can you talk a little bit about navigating the dramatic individuals in our life? Yeah, there's multiple types. Um, most common when people get frustrated with is, what do you do if i got a drama-prone boss? I'm working for somebody who's a controller or a micromanager, a cynic, or worst of, sometimes worst of all, the, contr- the boss who can't make a decision. Um, the general thing we tell people when you're, uh, work, when you're working with anybody caught in drama, the first step is, is uh, it's often antithetical. It's not something you want to do. We tell them build rapport with the person. Actually build a liking relationship with the person who's pushing your buttons. Like, why would I want to do that? And the reason is you can't really guide them to shift their behavior if they don't like you in some way. So you have to build their confidence. So if you got a know-it-all who has to pontificate about all <laughs> everything he or she knows, let them be your teacher. In so doing, you develop a rapport, and after a while, you can begin to coach them to shift their behavior. For complainers, we often let them vent for a while. You know, let them you know dump their bucket, you know, complain about whatever it might be. But then, after a while, ask them the question: Well, what do you see as your options? What do you really want for yourself? That often stops the complainer dead in their tracks. So push the questions back on the drama-prone person. If you've got a gossip, you really need to draw a boundary with them quickly and say, well, looks like you're talking about Raz here. I think you need to have a conversation directly with Raz as opposed to sharing this with me. I see this is very important for you. Deal with him directly. And if you've got a person who can't make a decision, a lot of times we say, make the decision for them, especially a boss who's in the ready, aim, 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 and can't pull the trigger mode. Okay? Often we say, make the decision, report back to the boss about the, the action that you're taking, and let the boss veto if he or she wishes, but you proceed by taking action. So those are some of the basic tips for, for dealing with people in, uh, in drama. Right, we often so you- say, take a soft approach first, you know, be nice. But if you've got somebody, especially a cynic, who's sucking the air out of the room, you've got to be prepared to pull out your club. Are you prepared to have a direct conversation with somebody and say, this isn't working and this behavior has to stop? There's a rule in the, you know, many of us growing up in, uh, in tougher neighborhoods, you know, when you're a kid and there's a bully on the playground, the first thing you do is you go up and you punch the bully in the face. Metaphorically, that means you have to stand up and draw a boundary with people who Okay, are pushing too hard, especially bullies and controllers. Right, and I think in the insecurity of today's um, job marketplace, a lot of fear comes up about doing that that stiff of a of a uh, confrontation. 
but yet it's still a way of building rapport and, and respect. Well, there's another route. So if you're in a job right now where you need the job and you're working for somebody who's really caught up in drama, micromanager, controller, bully, you know, pick from any of the different types, we often say you're going to have a transactional relationship with that person. You're nice, you smile, you do your job correctly, you make clean agreements so it's clear on what you do and what your expectations are from them and their of you, their expectations of you, and you have what we call a nicey-nicey, polite relationship. It's not going to be authentic. And you also consider the people who are doing their dramatic shtick, okay? It's not about you. It's usually about them. It's about their background. It's about their home environment, Okay? And just imagine you've got this piece of plexiglass between you and the other person, and all of their stuff hits the plexiglass, and it doesn't hit you. So stay unattached from the other person's drama, do your job well, and find satisfaction elsewhere in life if you need the job. Right. Jim, do you get any sense in your work of what, what's underneath all these different roles, all the different drama types that you're discussing? You know, what's going on in the individual below the cynic or the complainer or gossip? The core wound, which I think Hoffman deals with better than any organization on earth, okay, is a sense of unworthiness. I'm just not good enough. They have a very low sense of self-worth. Their identity is weak. And so that they substitute for that by acting out on others, either in a controlling behavior, a cynical behavior, a whining behavior, or a nicey caretaking behavior, so that I'll do whatever you want so you like me. Right. So core wound is low self-worth. Right. So often we see the, uh, the people who have climbed to the top of the ladder not necessarily falling prey to some of the things that everybody else does as well, that core insecurity that you're talking about. It is just stunning to me that yeah. in the high achievers I work with, the number one wound, when you really let them peel away the veneers they've built up over the years, is the sense that I'm just not good enough. And so I have to make up for that by achieving better than anyone else. They're, they're caught up in approval, the huge need for approval. Right. Produce, producing results gives them a chance to uh, show the scorecard, own the uh, symbols of success, and you know, get the agreement that they're happy or successful, and people point at the symbols and the accomplishments instead of seeing the real person. And that's the way, that's the way uh, a lot of people want it. That's, in fact, Jim, wouldn't you say that's what our culture is teaching? I would, I would agree with that. Uh, the whole culture revolves around scoreboards. How well do you do in the SATs? If you don't do well enough the first time, then you better get a tutor so you take it three or four more times so you can get into the Ivy Leagues. Work a little bit harder. Take the AP classes. Get to the right college. Get the right job. Make more money. Get promoted. It's all scoreboard-based. And so it gets imbued into our identities, and you ask, what is my true self underneath that, underneath this sense of achievement? And many of the people I work with at higher levels are very hollow inside. That's right. The, you know, the old uh, adage of climbing to the top of the ladder, finding you put it on the, on the, up against the wrong wall. Yes. You know, the, the goal was to find self-esteem. Instead, I found a lot of success in a particular arena, but not necessarily the 
whatever self love or self affection that we found you know that we're actually looking for. And if that's all you know, then you'll just you know when you find that place of depression that I went through or uh, lostness, all I know is work, so I'll just go back and continue achieving. I'll continue performing, and over time, unless that's dealt with by going to something like the Hoffman process. People build this huge silo around themselves that protects them from vulnerability, and they go through life numb. Very sad. I think a lot of executives in uh, a friend of mine who has uh, been a an executive coach in Fortune 500 companies told me once that there's just an enormous amount of corporate energy is devoted to just protecting the CEO and fielding for him and making up for his incompetencies. And he said, you know, it may be that 10 to 20% of the profitability of the company is just devoted to that. I don't know if he was being cynical at the time, but <laughs> I was surprised I was surprised to hear him say something like that. Um, tell us about a little bit. So, so let's say that, that someone then gets on this personal growth path, a healing path, and uh, a path of authenticity. Maybe they do Hoffman, they do a Mankind Project, they do something that wakes them up. Then how do you live after that? How do you sustain it? What's the next, uh, you know, how do you, how do you keep moving forward? Two components are crucial to an enduring sense of um, authenticity. The first is some type of daily discipline. Uh, one of my colleagues calls it holistic hygiene. I just love that phrase. So a physical discipline where you take care of your body. Um, a spiritual discipline of some type of a meditative practice, a letting go practice, a prayer discipline. Uh, myself, I do the, the quadrinity check-in every day. You know, I welcome the four energies, okay? And it's essentially both cleansing, releasing, and launches me into the day. So some type of holistic hygiene or discipline that you can do on your own. The other component is some type of a small group. Some, either mentors, coaches, um, an ongoing um, group after, after the Hoffman experience where you can go and it's a safe place to be vulnerable. Uh, my co-author Kaylee and I have worked with hundreds of groups of executives who on a monthly basis come to these settings where they can peel off their veneers in a confidential place and say, this is what's really coming up in my life. And here's the key phrase, and I need help. Hmm. So you can think of it as therapy, and I know Ed's a therapist. I think, you know, most of us can can do the role of therapy by just essentially being friends, confidential, open friends to people who need to be able to share their stories. So two things, uh, a daily discipline and some type of a safe community where you can go and share your life. It's quite interesting that going, you know, last week we had Ken Blanchard of One Minute Manager fame and he said, you know, again, not, not even, well, almost exactly what you just said. One of the keys is somewhere where you can get feedback. And that was, you know, it's a, and it's an impressive reminder when so many of us in our culture think I've got to do it all by myself. Otherwise, again, the shame will come up. You know, I'm not going to look good if I can't hold it all together. Yeah. Our guest is Jim Warner, and we're going to come back and find out much more about the drama-free office and just the, the challenges of trying to master life and have a balanced life with Jim. If you'd like to participate in the show, please give us a call, 866-472-5788. That's 466-472-5788. We'll be right back on The Hoffman Connection. 
opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. We're back with Jim Warner, and a great author, speaker, coach of, of executives. And Jim, I want to I want to ask you to speak a little bit about you. You mentioned the word vulnerability, but I want to talk about I want to ask you to talk about the pain. Ed, Ed mentioned a little while ago. What's the number one wound? And you spoke about the feeling that I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. And how do you how does a person come? You know, there are all these strategies for not facing one's pain for um, diversion and addictions and adventures, affairs, all kinds of crazy things people get into, uh, you know, all kinds of achievements and accumulation of objects and wealth. But what about facing that pain? Wow. Who wants to go into their wound? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a very difficult and scary proposition. So how do you encourage people to do that? I mentioned a little earlier, it often takes a train wreck in their lives before they are at a place to say, I am essentially helpless to handle this on my own. Can you lead me through this in some fashion? I just, uh-huh. I'm in such inner turmoil, I need help. Um, so they've, they've got to have some type of duress that has created, the, you know, a willingness to go through the pain. Otherwise, they're going to go, they're going to either enter into fantasies, some escape mode, or put band-aids on it. So, I say you got to go into and through it, and really what we're dealing with here is emotional pain. It's mm-hmm. facing their anger, uh, their sense of sadness, the grieving. Often it's a sense of shame, unforgiveness. Those, so those three, anger, grief, and unforgiveness, are, I mean, those are the three things that Hoffman deals with so brilliantly. Uh, and so often I will deal with those processes with people, those, those three wounds, and then afterwards I'll encourage them to go through the Hoffman process. 
Wonderful. Yeah, these, uh, you know, these things, e- even as we work on these states in ourselves and we make progress, we still, I find in myself, I still, re- I still encounter them, re-encounter them at other levels. And, you know, there have been times where I thought, oh, I'm through that. And then sometime later, I run right into it again. And sometimes I think it's almost like a, like a spiral that goes up. And yes, I, you know, we do make progress. We do go up, but there's a real humility that one needs to cultivate too, because, um, you're always, I mean, I think as long as you draw in breath, you're going to have to be cultivating compassion for yourself and other people. Yes. Um, I kind of look at all this, the depths of the pain. It's kind of like most people store the pain in this vault. And uh, then when you, they've got a manhole cover on top of the vault, and it's <laughs> terrifying to think what's down there. But when you uh-huh. open up that manhole cover and you begin to go into the emotions, okay, it's often wrenching. I know for myself, I would just be weeping crocodile tears and just needed people to hold me, embrace me as I dealt through some of my own stuff. And on the other side of that was a sense of release and cleansing as it finally got cleared out. But as you just mentioned, there's there's no exorcism in this. There's no garbage dump for the emotion. It continues to come back and show up in our lives. And I think uh, I love to teach people, and again, Hoffman does this extremely well, is when it comes up to notice it, experience it, and then let it go. Notice it, mm. experience, let it go. Okay, And gradually the effects, the amplitude and frequency become less and less. Okay, And the emotion actually becomes almost like an ally to us as we lead our lives versus an adversary. That's great. And, yeah, so, so that instead of running away from it, you begin to cultivate a, an attitude at least of uh, running towards it or moving into it and saying, well, there it is again, and stepping up to it rather than uh, using other strategies to avoid. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, outward bound is a great phrase for this. They say when you can't get out of it, get into it. So I That's advise, good. you know, when I'm noticing a feeling coming up now as opposed to trying to hide it or... Uh, run away from it, go into and through it. Uh, but for people who have not done that, Raz, and you know this from working with the Hoffman for folks, I mean, it's terrifying. I don't know what I'm going to find when I open that manhole cover or if I go into my grief. It could consume me. And so that's, again, where the, the need for teachers like Ed, uh, advisors and coaches who can really hold the space for people to go into and through their emotion is so critical. That's fantastic. And of course, we need these not only in the workplace, but we need them in our marriage, in our home, in our everyday life. Absolutely. And so, so all the things you're talking about have carryover to all parts of our lives. Yeah. And that's, you know, the reason I do this work is I had some fantastic mentors who held the space for me when I was going through my own dark night of the soul. Mm. And so a lot of my, uh, I'd say my work or ministry now is, what I, is like the movie Pay It Forward. Right. And so now the thousands of people I've worked with, if they have had a cathartic experience, I say, okay, now it's your turn. It's your turn to hold the space for the next generation, whether it's your children, your coworkers, your spouse. You hold the space so that they can get cleansed. And that's how this propagates. You know, I just saw an article this past weekend in the New York Times. It's about happiness and unhappiness. And it turns out that... <clears throat> Beyond about $75,000 a year, people do not actually get happier from the acquisition of goods and, uh, and other things. That it's all about, first off, it's about experiences rather than objects. But the other thing 
is that the biggest experience that's a predictor or that, that actually generates true happiness in a person is giving to others rather than taking and you know acquiring. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You reach that point in your life where it's about giving back, paying it forward. Um, yeah, and I actually don't, I choose to not think of it as giving back, which can have yep. kind of a guilt connotation to it, that, man, I've had a great life, and now I have to, quote, unquote, give back to kind of make up for that. Right. Um, I, I do what I do because I love it. And right. so I encourage people, if you're going to move into some type of service or contribution mode, do something in service or contribution that you love doing versus having to be a martyr making up for something in the past. Yeah. So use your, your innate signature strengths and talents in some way serving the world. That's wonderful. Jim, you mentioned a little bit uh, a few minutes ago about the, having had great mentors. How do you recognize a great mentor? First, it's someone who works on their own stuff. They walk their talk. They're not caught up in uh, a halo effect. They don't do, need to be known as a guru. Uh, there's no hierarchy in their life. They have a sense of ease and flow in their life. They're very good listeners. They ask probing questions. They have a blend of what I call compassion and also accountability and boundaries. So those are the core things I look for in good mentors. Um, there's, here's actually the people you can trust. Here's, um, recently you come up with this definition of trust. It's kind of like an equation. So you can think of a strong mentor has the following cap, uh, um, skills. First of all, they're credible. They know their stuff. They're reliable. You can count on them. They're adaptable, okay, flexible, nimble. So imagine the equation is you got credibility plus reliability plus adaptability divided by self-interest. So the lower the self-interest and the higher the other three, the stronger a mentor you're going to have. You have to watch out for mentors who are caught up in their own ego, and that's going to dilute their skill in being able to mentor and advise you. That's, that's a great mathematic equation. I think that's <laughs> it's so simple and and it it does the trick. I like it a lot. Um so we're just about to go to a break, but before we do, um it seems like trust is a big part of a drama-free relationship. Um you've already given us some tips about creating trust in a relationship. Anything more to say on that, Jim? Well, those four components I mentioned are, are probably the foundational ones. If there was a fifth one, it would be vulnerability. So a mentor who will share his or her own story, who doesn't appear to be the person who has all the answers or they've, you know, they've never, they, they've worked through all their stuff and they've now reached this place of enlightenment. I don't buy that. So I believe in mentors who have their own sense of vulnerability. And it's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship with the mentee versus hierarchical. That's right. It's uh, parallel or lateral and not so much um, hierarchical. So yeah. a friend of mine said, guide from the side rather than sage from the stage. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, one, of my, one of my great advisors uses the phrase, lead from a step behind. Mm. That's a beautiful one, too. And it certainly is authentic because none of us are, are complete. And if we're willing to show that, that it's all evolution, 
then our credibility jumps and actually the intimacy within the relationship the, with the mentor, the mentee grows yeah. as well. My belief is that great therapists and mentors, coaches, um, the person knows where they want to go. And the great advisors are simply light shiners. We kind of shine the lights down different, you know, different cubby holes, different mine shafts, okay? And the person eventually is going to find the place they want to go. And our job is to hold the light and then be an encourager. Jim, with vulnerability being so important, <clears throat> what does it feel like when you're being vulnerable? How do you know that, you're, that you are, in fact, being vulnerable? Is it the scary thing? The way I know I'm vulnerable or others are vulnerable is when they're speaking and the voice is coming from below the neck. Their body is speaking as opposed to their head or cognitive processes speaking. And you know that. You can really sense that. Uh, it might show up, uh, you know, in anger. It might show up in tears. It might show up in some movements in the body. But the body doesn't lie. And so when a person is vulnerable, the body is speaking versus the head speaking. And that's when you're really getting the transparent individual. And that's something that a lot of us can actually notice pretty easily, too. You were talking oh, yeah. about dealing with a dramatic person in your life. Well, sometimes actually just noticing where in their body they're speaking from is yeah. giving you a tip. And then you can blend with that. Yeah. One of the things I'm a, I really work with people on is to sense when others are in a place of emotion. Most of us are totally ignorant when another person's in emotion. They're, our emotional sensitivity is way low. And when you sense somebody else's in emotion, you can forget about any type of negotiation or rationalizing. All you can do is hold the space for the person. Give them the place where they can emote. Get, let the emotion be expressed without trying to fix so much of our culture wants to fix, and all we really need to do is hold the space. So that's, that's, a key, that's another key aspect, by the way, of mentoring and advising, is to be able to sense emotion and be able to reflect it back, create a safe place for it to be expressed. All right. Well, we're just about to go to break. We're here on the Hoffman Connection with our guest, Jim Warner, author of the Drama Free Office. And um, before we go to break, we just want to remind you that if you want to learn more about the Hoffman process or some of the other courses that we put on at the Hoffman Institute, um, every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock, immediately after our show live here, you can, 5 o'clock Pacific time, you can find out more about it um, at the Hoffman Institute website, hoffmaninstitute.org, and you'll learn more about our free confidential introduction call there, hoffmaninstitute.org. And we'll be right back more with Jim Warner and Razan Grassi here on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? 
For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Good afternoon. This is Raz and Grossi. We're speaking with Jim Warner. Jim is an entrepreneur, author, transitions expert, and he is... Uh, the author of a new book, The Drama-Free Office, and a lot of other books. My favorite one before that was Facing Pain and Embracing Love. And we've been talking about a lot of different topics here, Jim. But I want to ask you to tell us about what are the – maybe switch to a more positive topic. In your work with thousands of CEOs and other leaders, what are the key attributes of authentic and inspiring people? And how do they cultivate that? I think the first one I mentioned a little earlier is worth reiterating is authentic leaders take full responsibility for their life. Nobody's doing it to them. Okay, My life uh, is not about me or people aren't doing it to me. I take responsibility for my life. Um, they tell the truth. What you see is what you get. Um, I mentioned to you when you, we were offline a little bit that uh, I have a nine-month-old granddaughter. She is absolutely my teacher. What you see is what you get. She doesn't like something, she cries. She likes something, she smiles. You know when she's hungry, you know when you got to change her. Tells the truth. She's my teacher. Mm. Um, the sense of appreciation and gratitude for life, and you know, just a sense of honest. I mean, I'm in Michigan right now. I'm looking over a pristine lake. Just a sense of gratitude, which is a, the complete antidote for depression or anxiety. Oh, my life is pretty good. And another thing is the ability to receive the appreciation of others. Okay, let people love you and appreciate you and be able to drink it in. And authentic leaders can do that. Okay. They're also curious versus being defensive. And again, that's where my granddaughter is a perfect model. Um, when times get tough, they show up, they participate, they stand their ground, they have the direct conversations versus withdrawing or gossiping. Okay, so they speak their truth and they stay in the heat. And the last one we um, that I really like is if there's one one major antidote into all of drama 
it's the it's being the ability to be present versus the need to be right. Can you let go of the need to be right and just show up and accept what is? Hmm. Accept what is. What is accepting what is? You know, so much of life is, uh, so much of uh, the drama is some point of view or perspective or person against another one and trying to prove that they're right and trying to prevail and dominate or avoid being dominated. But you're just talking about being present and accepting what is. Uh, it's kind of a judo move. Other people want to be right, so let them. So they get to, the phrase we use is you get to be right, and that's as good as it gets. Would you rather be right and live in a silo or be present and live in a community? Mm. So you have a better chance for communicating, collaborating. If you can, you know, stand and speak your position, but can you also stretch toward the other person versus being adamant that you're the one who's in the right? And a, a, right. Way, a key way to do that, another authentic leaders take themselves lightly. It's just too serious out there. Have some fun. Laugh a little bit. And there's one of the Hoffman processes, I don't know, fifth or sixth day, that was just hilarious. Besides all of the, you know, the deep explorations, <laughs> have some fun in life. Lighten up. Yeah. So Wonderful. Ed, you got any, anything else you'd like to explore with Jim? Well, I'm just wondering, you know, on that subject of whatever, aliveness, how much – you know, the, the, the average, I guess, CEO, businessman, executive is working, you know, more than an eight-hour day, uh, growing a business that sort of takes its own energy and then demands more time or more skill. You know, how, how do the people you work with find balance? Or do they have ever? Um, the, I probably work with 2,500 CEOs. Uh, of those who run larger organizations, especially growth organizations, to have a balanced life and run a large growing enterprise is virtually impossible. The very few who have been able to do this, they have two aspects. First is they empower and delegate everything possible. And secondly, they have ruthless boundaries. <clears throat> So they know I'm stopping at 5 o'clock. People could be knocking on my door. They could be pounding on me. I could have uh, analysts all over me. Walls could be crumbling down. But, I know, you know, now's my time. I'm going out to have dinner with my family. I can compartmentalize that, uh, the issues at work. I can focus and be with myself in my own quiet time or my family. And then I can come back and be fully on at work. Highly disciplined. They can empower and they have really strong boundaries. Right. That ruthless boundaries is, you know, sometimes love is <laughs> love is ruthless if you're if you're setting it for yourself or your family. Yeah, I, I then, love myself enough to take care of me first. I'm a big advocate of putting on the, my own oxygen mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just seems to make sense that way. And it, it, if the result, if my self esteem isn't tied into the result, then maybe I can set ruthless boundaries around what is important to me. Yeah. If my self-esteem is tied to the results, you got to, that's a core problem. Yeah. That has to be fixed. That's foundational. Okay. Well, wow. really feels like jumping outside the, uh, the, the boundaries, if you will, of the culture to think that way. And even so much of, you know, religiosity is about 
achievement, accomplishment. And if you're really spiritual, God's going to reward you with a lot of money and so on and a big home. And, and um, this accomplishment culture just keeps pulling us away from our own authenticity, vulnerability, presence with one another, compassion. And, um, you got to be careful because it's too easy now to fall into victimhood and blame the culture. The culture is what it is. Okay? Yep. The, the reality is that we're all alcoholics, okay, and our culture is the tavern. So do we choose <laughs> okay. to live above? And we, we're living above the tavern. So the only way I think to really do that is you've got to have a nucleus community of people who choose to say, I choose not to participate in the tavern. I choose to let go of the scoreboard. Okay, Good churches can do that. Good small groups can do that. Mentors can do that. But find that core community that has beliefs similar to your own. Otherwise, you're going to go back and become the alcoholic above the tavern and fall back into the culture's ways. Got it. Wonderful. Wonderful. That- way of saying it that may be the line to close the show with today or as what he's all right that's great jim thanks so much for being with us <laughs> oh my pleasure guys yes yeah, great yeah. questions it's just an honor to be on the on the show yeah it's, it's been great to have you thank you so much jim we want to invite everyone to join us next week with our special guests crystal jenkins and michelle robin um they're specialty is something called the wellness connection you could probably find them if you were to google the wellness connection uh, they're out in kansas city and crystal jenkins is also a hopman teacher and a therapist and michelle is a uh i guess a whole what would you say at a whole life a holistic practitioner yep. and uh they serve so many people teach you how to have a more a better holistic life and michelle's written a wonderful book i don't recall the title of it but you're going to learn how to be healthy next week. Until then, thank you. And thank you, Ed. <laughs> Thanks, Raz. I won't be here. I'll be away teaching. And just want to remind everyone that um, if they want to learn more about the Hoffman process, our introduction call is starting at 5 o'clock Pacific time every Tuesday afternoon, including today. To find out more and uh, get on our website to learn about calling into that call. It's 800 800- 506-5253 is our office line. The Institute website is hoffmaninstitute.org. All right, Raz, have a great show next week, and I'll be back here in two weeks. Thank you, Thank Jim, you. for being with us as well. Okay, my pleasure, guys. Have a Thank great you day. So much. Bye-bye. Yeah, Bye inspiring. now. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.